amen and good morning church. I also want to extend a welcome to those that are visiting with us today. So glad that you're here. As Steve mentioned in his thoughts a moment ago, uh, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church who is uh, desirous of serving and, and being generous to others. And I'm sure that most of you like me have watched with some interest the uh, devastating wake that uh, Hurricane Ian has left in Florida. I uh, received word from one of our members today that her father was recently rescued from Sanibel Island, and I know that there's probably other stories that we have not heard yet. Uh, and so I want to just uh, go to God in prayer on behalf of the residents of Florida and also for us to have our eyes and hearts open uh, to ways that we can serve. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful again just to be able to come into this space uh, to worship your high and holy name. And Father, we're thankful for the gift that worship is, and we bring our praise to you this morning. Uh, Father, we are mindful of the events that are, uh, have happened in, in Florida this past week uh, for the devastation that has occurred. Uh, God, we pray uh, for you to raise up laborers in the vineyard to, to be present and to be working. And Father, if we can be involved, I pray that you will reveal to us ways uh, that we can be of service in your name uh, so that you receive the glory and honor for that. God, as we turn our attention to your word, Father, I pray that you will give us ears to hear. Uh, I pray that as we open up your word that we're reminded of the promise that your word does not return void. And so as we explore your scriptures today, I pray that you will continue to form us and shape us into the image of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, in 1964, uh, Fred Arbonis was brutally attacked and lost the vision in his left eye. Uh, while tragic, uh, you'll see why this is even more amazing, because on the left you'll see a picture of Fred Arbonis, who played tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs in the first Super Bowl against the Green Bay Packers in 1967. And in the game, Fred hit another player so hard, head on, that his eye literally popped out. Referee Tommy Bell had seen a lot of injuries, but he had never seen a man's eye pop out. But it wasn't until that moment that millions of people watching on TV and referee Tommy Bell learned that Arbonis had an artificial glass eye. So Arbonis calls for the water boy to come over, washes off the eye, and puts his eye back in. And Bell, the referee, being a, a shorter man, has to look up to Arbonus, and he says, Fred, I don't believe it. I mean, you know, you, you've only got one eye. I mean, th th this is what your vision is dependent upon, your, your livelihood, and you making money, and you being a professional in the NFL. I mean, what, what would you do if you lost the other eye? To which Arbonus looked at him and said, well, I guess I'd become a referee like you, Mr. Bell. <laughs> Apologies to any referees in the room. We're in a series, the second week of a series on the Holy Spirit. And honestly, it's a topic that many of us have, have, have had trouble seeing in our faith walk. So I appreciate the many comments that I've received this past week about starting this series. I've probably received more comments 
about this series than any series that I have done in the recent past. And I believe that that is an affirmation that we are a church that is hungry for knowing God. And for that, I'm very grateful. Uh, we want to see well, and we want to see what the Word of God says about the Spirit of God. And so if you have your Bibles, let's be turning to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, last week we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift that is the helper, the, the comforter, the, the paraclete. That word is used five times in the New Testament, and four of those times Jesus is the one who uses those words. He tells his disciples, I'm going away, but I am sending you the advocate, I'm sending you the counselor, I'm sending you the comforter, I'm sending you the helper, I'm sending you the paraclete. How many of us need good counseling? I'll raise my hand. <laughs> but you can't have counseling unless you have a counselor. And so Jesus has told the disciples, I'm sending you a counselor. I'm sending you the paraclete. The first reference of the Spirit in our scriptures is a picture of energy or power. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That word hovering, it literally means vibrate or to tremble or to stir. And so the first time that we see the Spirit in the Bible, the Spirit is depicted as the energy of God on the planet. This is the picture that we get. What about the next chapter, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7? Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The first human being was animated by the Spirit of God being breathed into him. And according to the psalmist, that's how all creation becomes animated. Psalm 130, verse 40, the psalmist says, all creatures look to you, in verse 27, and then we get to verse 30, when you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. Uh, this past weekend, I was able to speak three times at a men's retreat. And every time I spoke, this is what I pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill our hearts, kindle them in the five-year love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. This is straight out of Scripture, Psalm 104. The Holy Spirit is literally involved in the animation of creation. He's the life-giving, energizing force. And so in one sense, no one is biologically alive without the work of the Spirit of God, whether or not that person believes in the Spirit of God. I mean, talk about the grace of God. That's grace. But spirit empowerment doesn't stop there. Exodus 35. 
first reference of someone being filled with the Spirit of God that we read in the text. God's giving instructions for the building of the tabernacle in Exodus 35 and verse 30. Then Moses said to the Israelites, see, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, verse 31, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab the ability to teach others. Catch this, the first time that Scripture records someone being filled with the Spirit of God, it is filling a person, it is empowering them to be creative in artistic design. All of the folks that work in art say amen. This is the first time. I think of my super talented sister-in-law who is an artist, a graphic designer. So if you've received a, a card from us, a Christmas card from us, or if you've received a, a scripture that has a design on it, like this one around Christmas time, my sister-in-law designed all these. And isn't it cool that the first time in, in, in Scripture that someone is being filled with the Spirit, it is, it is being filled so that they can complete a skill in artistic design. Huh. And not only can they complete the skill, but Scripture goes on to say that they are to teach someone else that skill. They are discipling someone else in that trade. So, have you ever thought about praying for God to empower you to perform your skill? I can assure you that I am not getting operated on until I have asked God to empower my surgeon to perform his or her skill, amen? Some of you ask me, will you come and will you pray over this person before they perform their skill? I say, yes, amen, I will. I believe it's thoroughly biblical to ask God to fill you with His Spirit to perform a skill, not just an artistic skill. The Spirit empowered others. Let's keep traveling through the text. You'll see these on the screen. Numbers 11 and 25, the Spirit empowered Moses and the 70 elders to prophesy or speak the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy 34, 9. The Spirit empowered Joshua with leadership skills and wisdom. The Spirit empowers Israel's judges to deliver His people from their oppressors. I'm thinking of Othniel or Gideon or Samson. 1 Samuel 10 and 6, the prophet Samuel tells Saul, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Anybody grateful that you've been changed? Later, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David when he's anointed to be king in 1 Samuel 16 and 13. Do you see how this theme is traveling through the text? And when you get to the prophet Isaiah prophesying about the greatest king, the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, we ought to take note of how many times the Spirit is referenced. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, it's word for power, the Spirit of the knowledge 
and fear of the Lord. This theme is continued throughout the book of Isaiah. Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 2. The Spirit empowers Ezekiel to stand up and endure the word of the Lord because he had fell face down when he heard the Lord speak. Some of you have experienced moments in life where all you can do is fall down. You're familiar with those moments. Sometimes the only thing that can get us back up is a force beyond ourselves that empowers us. Daniel was described by Nebuchadnezzar as one that had the spirit of his God within him. Micah 3.8, the prophet Micah spoke of being filled with the spirit and power. In the book of Haggai, the Lord says, my, my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. The Spirit's empowerment is one variable in how you contend with fear in your life. My breath prayer on a weekly basis, if not daily, is a prayer I just pray, come Holy Spirit. I could show you more examples, but the point is that the Word of God makes it a point to acknowledge that the role of the Spirit of God is how the Spirit makes a qualitative difference in someone's life. And often it's an empowerment to do a certain thing for God or for His people. The Spirit makes a tangible difference. And some of you are saying, well, what about the New Testament? I'm glad you asked, because that's where we're going next. The power of the Spirit in the life of Jesus. Just think of the word Christ. The word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not first name Jesus' last name Christ, but Jesus is the Christ. And the word Christ means anointed one. Anointed with what? Anointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ. The power of the Spirit in the life of Jesus. In the Gospels, take note of all the times that the Holy Spirit is associated with Jesus. You'll see these on the screen. Luke 1 and 35, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 17 and 18, He preached by the power of the Spirit. Matthew 12 and 28, He cast out demons by the power of the Spirit. Acts 10 and 38, He went around doing good and healing by the power of the Spirit. Hebrews 9 and 14, He endured the suffering of the cross by the power of the Spirit. Romans 8, 11, He was raised from the dead by the power of the Spirit. Acts 1, 1 and 2, after being raised from the dead, He continues to teach His disciples about the kingdom of heaven, how? By the power of the Spirit. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus did was through the Spirit. A lot of times we think that Jesus did what He did because He was the Son of God. Now, is the Son of God Jesus' identity? Absolutely it is. Absolutely. It's one of our firm beliefs. When I bring somebody up here on stage or down below the stage, do you believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? It's a confession that we make before baptism. Jesus is absolutely the Son of God, but He was also fully human. 
And he did what he did as a human by the power of the Spirit. Luke 5, 17, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Did you catch that? Why didn't it just, why doesn't Luke just say Jesus healed the sick? He could have just said Jesus healed the sick. He says the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Church, Jesus becomes our model of what it looks like to live a life in the Spirit. And Jesus did not intend to keep the Spirit all to himself. So in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he tells his disciples, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. Does that sentence mean more to you after taking our tour through the biblical narrative? The word for power is a word that I've mentioned before. It's the word dunamis. It's the Greek word that we get the word dynamite from, dunamis, dynamite. I think Jimmy Walker used to say dynamite. But before Jimmy Walker said it, it was in the Word of God. And ultimately what that empowerment is, is for us to bear witness to Jesus. I want to pause right here because I want to be careful. And I want to make an important point. I'm going to use the words out of Leonard Allen's book, Poured Out. Leonard says that the New Testament's account of the work of the Spirit presupposes, indeed requires, a Trinitarian understanding of God. The Spirit is fully God and shares a rich life with the Father and the Son. Peter on Pentecost, this is what he proclaimed. Exalted to the right hand of God, he, Jesus, in Acts chapter 2, has received from the Father, there it is, the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear, Father, Son, and Spirit. We're going to talk more about this in this series, but it's an important point to make. This is another part of our baptism that we are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Had a wonderful little adventure last week. Steve Castleman and I took the fifth grade boys for their Bible class. And we came in here and walked into the baptistry. And we walked up to the back of the baptistry just to show them that it's not as scary back there as you may think it is. And we walked behind the baptistry and we were below water level and it's like being in this aquarium almost, but not really because you can't see the water. And it's, but it was a, a wonderful opportunity just to, to have some, some conversation with our, our, our boys and to share that time with them. I'm so thankful that our shepherds have a heart for the next generation. By the end of Acts 2, others have been drawn into this life in Christ. By who? Through the transformation and empowerment of those who are believers. This is key. 
So a couple of takeaways for us that I, I want us to capture. This is one, if you're taking notes and discussing this further in your connect groups this week, which I, I hope you will. The empowerment of the Spirit transforms our wills, our desires, and our character over time into that of Jesus. So through the power of the Spirit, it's possible to make changes. It's possible to live differently. This is one of our next steps. If you go out into the foyer and you see it hanging on the wall, it says, live differently. We can't do that just just because we're we're strong enough or we've got enough knowledge or we've got enough intellect or we've got enough. And and those things help mold us and shape us, but we're empowered to live differently. Through the Spirit, I don't desire the same things I did earlier in my life. Can somebody say amen? So how might you align your will with God's will this very week? It's one of the the prayers that I just mentioned. I I would encourage you to, to pray. Maybe you've never, ever thought about praying that God would empower you to do your skill. Maybe you've considered that to be separate and apart. It's the, it's the contribution of your life. It's separate and apart, right? But what if you begin to pray that God empower you with his spirit to do your skill? What if you begin to pray this week and ask for God's spirit in your life? I'm a dad. Some of you are dads. Luke says, in quoting Jesus, that how is it that you as fathers, being evil, like you wouldn't give your, your son a snake if he asked for something else? You wouldn't give you a snake. We found a snake in our backyard this week. I didn't give it to my son, but he came and, and he wanted to... Keep it by the line. But you who are fathers who are evil, you, you know how to give gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. This is what Luke says, Luke 11. Number two, the empowerment of the Spirit enables us to do things beyond ourselves in the name of Jesus. The result is that those that we serve are edified and God is glorified. So do you think that all of our crafty technology and marketing could have manipulated what happened with Jeremy and Shelley this week, the video that you watched just a moment ago? I get an email in my inbox. And quite frankly, I get a lot of spam email. And so often I've been burned by things, and so I'm leery of email, particularly from somebody I don't know. Am I just the only one? All right. So when I get an email this week and and something stops me, and I say, okay, there's, there's something different about this that I need to pay attention to, 
And so I, I get uh, some of our staff involved who gets some of our shepherds involved, and, and then we get a visit to, to Jeremy and Shelly, and, and things begin to, do you, do you think that's just coincidence? Do you think that those, yeah, and, and here's the sobering part of all that. I could have deleted that email, and none of you would have ever known. Nobody in this room would have ever known. But aren't you thankful that on that day, the Spirit of God empowered a regular guy to say, ah, something's going on here. The empowerment of the Spirit enables us to do things beyond ourselves. Did you hear what Jeremy and Shelley said in that video a moment ago? When we walked into their hospital room, we did not have to say a word. I think of 1 Corinthians 4, 19 and 20. But I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Now, I know that's super ironic because all I'm doing this morning is talking. But we have to be reminded that, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of just talk. It is a matter of power. There are times when the power of the Spirit does all the talking that's needed. And sometimes the Spirit of God will give you what to say when you need to say it. Has anybody been there before? Second Timothy 1 and 7, for the Spirit of God gave us not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. There's that word again, dynamite. There it is, dunamis. And how is dynamite used? Sometimes dynamite is used underground. It's, it's this underground explosion, and you can't see it. You may be able to feel it, but you can't see it until a building is erected or whatever is going on in that construction project happens. It's an underground explosion. And when you're in the Word of God daily, when you're in your prayer closets, when you're in small group community being formed spiritually, I'm thankful for our teachers. I'm thankful for their willingness week in and week out to teach us the Word of God, to help instruct us, to help guide us by the Word. And when you're in those things weekly and daily, our prayer is that an underground explosion is happening in you. Why? Because as you are formed, you become more aware of the active presence of God in your life. And you're then enabled to be this real life participant in not just an underground explosion, what's going on inside you, but then we begin to see above ground explosions. Like what just happened with Jeremy and Shelley this week. Now I know, I know, I'm not as old as some of you. But I'm not as young as some of you either. 
And so I realize, I'm keenly aware that sometimes we get nervous about above ground explosions. <laughs> let's, let's keep those underground. Certainly we need to grow in our wills and desires and characters need to be formed in Christ's image, but above ground, we can't explain why things happen over here and they don't happen over there. We prayed for this and this person was healed, but this person was not healed. And so we feel like we have to be a defense attorney for God. Can we do both? Church, the power of the Spirit is not about you getting out of every jam in life. It's about something deeper than that. We're not talking about this transformation of our comfort. We're talking about God wanting to transform your, your character. And so the next verse in 2 Timothy 1, Paul says in verse 8, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. The Spirit of God is not a magic bullet for you to go win the lottery. The one who walked with the Spirit the most still had a cross to go to. But he also had a resurrection. And the Spirit empowered both. Church, we all have our crosses to bear. And we all have our resurrections to testify to. Be encouraged. Because the Spirit empowers both. Will you pray with me? And so, Father, we pray that you'll water what's been sown. Father, help us to see your word for the gift that it is. And we're thankful that your word is, is breathed by you. It's, it's God-breathed, and it's useful. And we pray that we will not turn a blind eye to this love letter that you have given to us, that we can continue to grow and learn and be shaped and formed. And God, we pray this week, we ask for your spirit. We ask for it. Your word also says in James that anyone who, who lacks wisdom should ask for it. And whether it be in our workplaces, in our homes, in our parenting, in our marriage, in our difficult relationships, sometimes in our challenges, in our neighborhoods. Father, we need wisdom. We need wisdom from on high. So we're asking for the spirit of wisdom to fill us this very week. God, thank you for a life in Christ. Thank you for the written word and the living word. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen.